Well, hello and welcome back to Failure Peace Theater. I am your amiable co-host Tim, as always, and joining me is Catherine. And we've returned this time to talk about an obscure but surprisingly star-studded, at least star-studded for the the early 2010s. Let's put it that way. But a surprisingly star-studded venture uh, from a repeat director on Failure Peace Theater, uh, Finland's own Rennie. Harlan. Uh, but this one is The Craft, but with dudes. Dude Craft. It's the movie we didn't know that we wanted. And, and turned out we didn't. We didn't. We definitely <laughs> did not want this. Uh, no, we're talking about 2006's The Covenant. Uh, a, in a fairly seemingly obvious attempt to create a CW-level franchise out of a relatively shoddy concept um, rooted in, in you know... I Well, I imagine that the, the meeting went like this, right? That, that the writer, uh, J- Cardone, J.M. Cardone, whatever his name is, came in, sat down, and they said, well, what do you have for us, right? You got a movie for us? And he said, yeah. Remember that movie, The Craft? Kind of blew up. It's kind of a small thing, but then it became really popular, a little kind of cultural moment in the 90s. And they're like, yeah, 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 I remember that. Faruza Bach, you know, we, we you know, sexually molested her from the time she was a little kid. She was, it was great, you know? Uh, Hollywood, thumbs up. Right. Pats on the back all around. Um, What if we did that movie, but stupider and with boys? Far, far worse. And then everybody went, yes, done, write it, sign the checks. They, they were rushing to sign the checks. And, uh, and, and so we got this, uh, a, a relatively low budget. I will say that. This was not a high-budgeted film, which I think was a smart move in the long run. But, uh, yeah, this is, this is a weird one. Um, it, because it feels bad even for Rennie Harlan. Right. One of the things we talked about with Long Kiss Goodbye is that Rennie Harlan, for his, you know. Dude could the, be making good movies. He just doesn't. Totally. I don't know For the why. directors of his ilk, right? I mean, the 90s action guys that came out, you know, the, the, the Tony Scotts, the Michael Bays, you know, Rennie Harlan was kind of there. And then just things went wrong. I guess it started with Cutthroat Island because he tried to make a movie with his then wife. And that went bad, real bad, huge flop. But he does—he hasn't really been able to crawl his way back out again. Um, and this was this was a particularly bad run of time for Rennie Harlan. Um, you you live in the homeland of <laughs> the Scars Guards, yeah. So you you may remember that Stellan Skarsgård pre. Yeah. Pre-Marvel, right? So pre his his interest, interesting sort of connecting role in the Marvel universe that sort of elevated him. Uh, he did a lot of a a lot of really good films in the early two thousands, but one film that he did that was a bit of a misstep. Nothing relating to him. I think he's easily the best part of the film. Well, <laughs> films is that they they remade. Well, they made a prequel. To the Exorcist, yeah. Um, 
And this movie at the time was legendary for the train wreck that it was. And so the, the original film was directed and I think written by Paul Schrader, very famous, uh, you know, very controversial, at least in some circles, director. And apparently the version that he turned into the studio was so awful and, and just so impenetrable that they rejected it. They just said <laughs> no. <laughs> and so they took both the movie that he had made and then they reshot the entire movie with Rennie Harlan at the helm, like almost as triage, right? Like they brought him in to rescue this movie. And I feel like he tried the best he could. And Stellan Skarsgård, God bless him, because uh, he plays young Father Marin, I believe, um, if I'm remembering it correctly. And, and, and he's killing it. Like, he's doing his best. But that movie... Bad. Okay. It's, it's real bad. It's real bad. <laughs> it's, it was so bad and made so little money that they ended up taking Schrader's version, packaging it as its own thing, and then releasing it too to try and recoup the budget. So I actually have both of these versions of that movie. I have both versions of that movie on DVD because they were in like a dollar bin or something. And I was like, oh, they're both here. I'll just take both. And that is both where they're equally they awful. Yes, they're terrible films. Terrible, terrible films that do nothing to enhance your understanding of the Exorcist franchise, right? Like nothing. Don't even bother. I mean, don't even bother with the Exorcist sequels for that matter. Although three is great. Three is wonderful, but it's wonderful for other reasons. Just watch The um, Exorcist, you know, play it safe. It's plenty good. Uh, there's a new Bloomhouse Exorcist. Um, so I'm kind of curious, kind of curious how that's going to go. It'll make money because it has a big name and they'll make it for nothing. So, you know, it'll it'll do the Bloomhouse thing. But yeah, it's just it, it's awful. So so Rennie Harlan was coming off making that, like being in the middle of that shitstorm. And then he makes this as a follow up. And who? Who, buddy? Um, so let's let's get into the covenant. Do you want to do you want to? Try and, and summarize what the covenant is. Uh, it's they're witches. Wait, you're not supposed to call men witches, are you? You can't call them witches. They make many jokes in the film about men not being called witches. Because uh, that's because that's gay. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> right. Yeah, we got to have some rampant early 2000s. Oh, in this movie, gay is... panic humor in here. Yeah. Um, this is very yeah. early 2000s in every sense of the word. I'm I okay. We're we're going to get to the fact that this movie's not really worth watching, right? I'm not we're not going to recommend this movie. We've we'll, been we'll over this with Benny now. Harlan before. It's not worth we it. <laughs> we invite you to discover why it's not, but um it's it's not. But I will say it is almost worth watching so that you can see peak 2005, right? Like this is what America in 2005 imagined itself to be. Definitely. Um, and, and it is over the top and, and disgusting and just like, bro, you know, like I just imagine every character in this. I, I think this movie would be fun to turn the sound down, like just turn it off. And then just every exchange is just variations on the word bro. Right. Like, because this movie is full of 
bros, right? All the bros are in this movie. We have leading our our cast of bros, Stephen Strait, uh, who may be the one who gets out of this the cleanest, but that's not really saying much. Um, we have a very young Sebastian Stan, who's, I guess, arguably the most successful actor to come out of this because Marvel. Um, Taylor That's Kitsch. That's right, he was in the Marvel movie. He's the Winter he's Soldier the guy. guy. He's Bucky the Barnes. Um, yeah, so he, he, he has some really bad lines at the end of this movie. The last half of this film is bad for Sebastian Stan. The first part's fine. He's okay. Oh, he's um, not around very much. Right, he's very just kind of like in the in the shadows, like he'd, dancing and, around and the main he'll characters. Cruise by in the hallway and be like, "Check it, losers!" And then, <laughs> like, skateboard away or something. He he goes to several swimming competitions because yeah. that's apparently what these witches do. Which I'm guessing is some <laughs> kind witches. of oh, sorry, these warlocks. Excuse me, um, but apparently that's a thing. I is that supposed to be a Monty Python gag, like the witches that float? Is that's is that why they're swimmers and they're all on the swim know. team? I don't know. Like I had that thought while I was watching. Was like, is this? I feel like that's a far too char- charitable. Take Do you think that for this that's probably so? I'm probably giving J M Cardone or J S Cardone think, too much credit for that I one. I think it's more likely that this is this is like America's Next Top Model, <laughs> but like a men yeah. edition. You know, yes, they did that a couple men. of times. They did. They had they a, tried. a men's yeah. cycle of America's Next Top Model. Not that I would know anything about that. Um, because <laughs> uh-huh. all of these men are supermodels and all of them are not witches. They are warlocks. They are and they warlocks. go to high school. Manly warlocks. And I guess the sexiest sport that you could have these male models participate in would be swimming. Freestyle swimming. Yeah. Heck yeah. I guess very popular amongst these random assortments of academies, some in the the nebulous New England. Uh, yeah, it's it's real. Um, it's real dumb. So we got it's Taylor like Kitsch. a hundred minute long CW commercial. This like I mean, and TV show. yeah, like this seems like they were trying to spin this into like generally you would think it would you'd start with the CW show and then spool it into a movie, you know, as kind of the capstone. But it's like they tried to start with the movie and then were hoping that they could then spin it into like a a, a vampire diaries. But kind it's of so bad thing. the CW wouldn't even know. No, and nobody and that's did. terrifying. Like, no one engaged with the story of these four not witch boys from Ipswich, right? Like none of them did. Uh so yeah. So so we've got Taylor Kitsch, but the the other one is, and perhaps what truly solidifies its CW bona fides is we have Chase Crawford. Now, I don't, I I don't I don't watch Gossip Girl. I never watched it. I I know it's fine, and I know people love it, and it's one of those like I've watched Gossip Girl all the way through like thirty five times. Like I know that it's that kind of show for people, and if it is, great. Like I was watching Veronica Mars instead of gossip girl and i'm not saying that one's better than the other but veronica mars was more like my speed at the time but we have here chase crawford who right after this film like literally he ended his project 
on this and immediately got hired to play one of the main leads in Gossip Girl on the CW. I so like well, the CW was watching. That's what it proves. That's right. That's they were always watching. That's what we forget. Um, I only know him as the fish fucker from the boys. Precisely. So he's I had, actually I've never one, seen Gossip Girl. He's the only one that it. Apart from some TV stuff that Taylor Kitsch is doing, he's he's really the one that's kind of like in the current space, you know, fairly successful. I mean, he's not Homelander, you know, because put a fascist, super powerful person on screen, and you're going to get a whole bunch of Americans that are like, that guy's great. Uh, he's not he's not that level of fame. But uh, he's on The Boys. Uh, Stephen Strait just finished up a long run on The Expanse, which was a great show, and he was very good on it for the most part. So, like I said, this is a, a kind of murderer's row of people who have gone on to be successful, you know, sort of in other ways. But this movie is not successful. So perhaps it it's not so much them as it is the the products and packages that they've been attached to. Yeah, nothing see, against these male models. No, all of them are exceptional male models. And and uh, like the ones in Zoolander, they're innocent of any crimes in this film. They tried their best. Except one of them is is uh, Toby Hemingway, um, who I I didn't know from anything else, and just sort of looks like a like a pre Machine Gun Kelly, like Machine Gun Kelly before that was a oh, thing. The blonde guy. The blonde guy, yeah. Uh, I, did, yeah. I have a really hard time, like, this is going to be a problem for this episode, is I have a really hard time telling any of these models apart. <laughs> There's a lot of inherent similarity, yeah. Like, they're they're not doing a lot to differentiate. Some A little bit with hair length. But Stephen then Strait two of them the have, like, hair, the same haircut. And then two of them are the same. Yeah. <laughs> oh. it's, it's a little rough. So, okay. So we again we've got a, a decent cast. Um, we have some 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 other actors. Laura Ramsey plays sort of the main love interest to Stephen Strait's character, Caleb, I think. Caleb. Um and then uh Jessica Lucas, who did go on, she's she's been in quite a bit of stuff. Um she was in the Evil Dead remake. She hasn't done a lot here lately. She's she's on a couple of TV shows and stuff, but so there are some people that have, you know, kind of gone on and had you know, relatively successful careers. But the I, I'll, I'm going to be super honest right up front. The, the the women characters in this movie are so mistreated and so misunderstood. Like they may as well not be here. They might as well have just like wheeled a cardboard cutout of a barely attractive woman into a frame and just let these male models emote towards it as far as like what they get to do. On screen, so I, I. You could have just filled those roles with real dolls, and it oh, would be totally. It would be exactly filled, the same. At the t- at this time, real dolls probably would have been prohibitively it's in expensive. their infancy. <laughs> they probably would have had to pay the real dolls more than they paid these poor <laughs> these poor girls. To it's be in this it's movie. bad. It's, it's real bad. It's real bad. They are props to be injured and placed in danger. One girl is is somehow infected with spiders about 35, 40 minutes into the movie and then disappears until a single shot at the end where her eyes pop open in the hospital. So, I mean, that gives you an idea of just how how 
aware of its of its female characters this film is i.e it is not we need uh, more so, b-roll of the men yes uh these men need to jump off things they need to float they need to generate strange glowing balls of air that they throw at each other which is apparently a thing movies need to stop do. doing that like i know we'll get to that scene <laughs> but movies need to stop with the energy balls energy balls that is Nothing. not an interesting fight i, I hate watched, watching it just as a preview i so i watched that fight and halfway through i said what in the dragon ball z hell is this <laughs> right like that's it is a dragon ball z fight at the end of this movie between these two nondescript dark-haired white men. <laughs> I don't even understand why like why did why did you win? What did you do that was different from the other energy right. balls that like you what, threw what that made this, this the winning energy ball? This energy ball was better than all of the previous energy balls oh, combined and uh, caused pieces of wood inside a barn to explode. <laughs> because he fled <laughs> Spoiler, one of the characters <laughs> flies into a wall at the end after being propelled by an energy ball. And then that wall of said ancient like 1600s era barn explodes. Exploded. That's how it happens. <laughs> Which kills him. Uh, maybe there was lightning involved. Who knows? It doesn't matter. Uh, but yes. So so let's let's break down the story of of this uh, in as much as there, <laughs> as there is one. So I, I felt compelled to to read the opening text scrawl. Uh, I know we've talked about it briefly before, but I'll reiterate it here. Anytime in a film like this that you see one of these, you kind of know you're in for trouble because this is not a complicated premise. And if they can't explain this premise in in the context of the film as it occurs, then that means that there have been significant failures in the script of this film. So, so I'm just going to, to briefly read the opening text scroll. So we get our, we get our, our, you know, production credits, which is, uh, it's like revolution studios, uh, I think. And then like, uh, Lakeshore entertainment, like two decent production companies, all things considered, especially in like 2005, 2006. And so here's what we get. All right. So I'm just going to read it to you and then we can discuss No one really knows how the power, capitalized, came to be. Not even the Book of Damnation recorded its beginning. I'm trying to stay serious. But those who mastered it have always been hunted. Okay, got it? You, I got it. You still, you still with I, me? <laughs> I Somehow I manage. <laughs> <laughs> In the middle of the 17th century, many escaped the brutal witch hunting in England and France by coming to America. Not like Eddie Murphy, different coming to America. They used boats. As the brutal persecution of those with the power spread throughout Massachusetts, the families of Ipswich formed a covenant. Silence. Very important. For 300 years, it has kept them safe. Until now. <laughs> Q, frankly, decent, uh, decent remix of More Human Than Human by Rob Zombie. 
That was bad. Like it's real bad. Like the cover of Rob's uh, the the remix is fine. It's a pretty good one. But we also get, you know, we we did Long Kiss Goodbye and we talked about Rennie Harlan's credits and how he kind of gives everything away in the credits. Um, if you pay attention, you know, like everything is just kind of laid out there, like with the the double names and all these things. This one's not quite that on the nose. It's just a lot of pictures of people being burned at the stake and suns setting and, you know, like all Witch this stuff. other just kind of like weird witchy stuff. But it establishes very quickly just how absolutely bonkers the tone of this film is because this is also another early 2000s film that at every conceivable point that you could it is going to play some like shitty butt rock riff for no reason without any sort of purpose behind it just to have like you know two guys walking across a parking lot and then it's like and that is maybe the most likable thing about this movie it's like if you enjoy that which i do that got every single time it happened it got the heartiest laugh out of anything else in this film like it it elicited at the very least pure emotional reactions uh it's it's just I mean the credits you're right though the credit sequence is maybe the best way to prepare yourself for what you're about to see because it's got like fast motion mm-hmm. and and zooming in on fire Very and then there's regard for color or or and then there's like <laughs> sexy dancing and then fire and then <laughs> and then it's, witches it's something uh, and again, I, I, I blame seven for these openings because seven did this and seven did it really well. And then it made a lot of people who don't understand how to do this think that they could. And that's bad. Uh, and, and as a result, we get lots of these and it's, it's rough. It's real rough. And, and you can feel free to speed through it after the initial like drop of the until now, you know, whatever. Uh, okay. So the film opens trying to establish that because, okay. So here's the thing though. What is this power, right? We've just been told that there's a power and the people who used it got hunted, right? So we're supposed to believe that all of the witches who got burned at the stake in the past, that wasn't like, you know, men attempting to control the femininity and power of women and, and to it, suppress it a group of people. It wasn't men trying to stop women from being wealthy, independent landowners. No, 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 no. Don't, don't be ridiculous. Uh, it was really just a power that they could connect to and they got hunted for it. And all the women got apparently just like totally screwed over and burned at the stake. But this like family with these dudes, they figured out how to like survive. These models. Uh, these models. And so, like, they they show up on, I mean, you know, again, I'm no expert on New England's uh, terrain, but they show up on this cliff, and they're just kind of looking down, and there's a party below, apparently, that they're all going to go to. The scene immediately upset me. So I, <laughs> I just, I started the movie upset, which mm-hmm. is great. It's always because a good place to why start. did they go up on top of the cliff? where there's nothing 
so that they could jump down still nowhere near the party. Right. Why were they um, up there? I mean, is their car up there? Are they like, going to have to go yeah, did they back drive up there? Up there? Did you know, they fly up there? Did they spend all day hiking to the top of that mountain so that they could look at the party? And then and then have three of them be like, we'll just jump down, bro. And then the one guy who's supposed to be the responsible guy, he's like, we can't jump down, bro. And I'm, then why did you go up there? Why did there? you do this? Why are you up there? <laughs> Like, just to observe from afar? Like, what are you... Are you astronomers? Are you trying to, like, calibrate your telescopes up here? What are you doing? It's just so, and so deeply upsetting when I start off with it, this many questions. It's so dumb. It's it's the dumbest thing. So they, they descend to the party because... I, you can tell the script wants to establish that there are reckless ones of these guys. And then there are like somewhat more responsible ones of these guys. So just so we can lay it out now, the forgettable Hemingway pre-machine gun Kelly guy is the least responsible. And he is totally okay with using his amazing, not witch warlock powers. And then, uh, he's perhaps the, the Raphael of the group. Yeah, and then Fishfucker follows him because, you know, he's he wants to be cool. And then on the other side, you have Taylor Kitsch looking very much like a male model and Stephen Strait, who are like the slightly more responsible ones. So who these guys are, they are they're referred to in the film as the sons of Ipswich, right? Because it was the four founding families or founding witch slash warlock families of Ipswich that created the covenant of silence and apparently possess a book that is, is labeled on the front in just sort of normal English, the book of damnation. It's not even in like the old English. It's just a regular modern it's regular English damnation, bro. Just, yeah, it's just English, you know? Wow. Who talks um, like that anymore? God, I know. God, ye old, what? Get out of here, dude. Like that's grandpa stuff. So these four families established the covenant of silence where I guess the whole point is to like hide your powers, not let anybody know, even though they all seem totally okay with using them all the time for whatever. And then via this covenant of silence have been able to keep their families alive. And so there's all sorts of weird bloodline talk in this about how it's the firstborn son that gets the power. And then and and here's where the I mean, I know it's surprising to say, but this is where the film starts to lose me. It, it lost me a long time ago, but apparently this power that they have is bound to the firstborn son doesn't manifest until they're like a teen slash preteen. And then at 18, they go at like literally at the moment they were born when they turn 18 years old. So like the universe and these witch powers and this crazy force called the power somehow it knows exactly when you were born. And then the moment that you turn 18, because obviously in, in which years that's an adult. I mean, that's how witches have always considered that's an adult you know, all over the world, all over the world, every country, <laughs> everywhere you ascend. That is the phrase they use. You ascend and achieve your full power. But you can also 
have people give you their power? Just if they feel like it. By just saying, I give you my power. Yeah. Which seems relatively straightforward for something like this. But okay. Uh, So that's, I mean, like. Makes total sense. So just imagine a movie where it's all of that plus high school. Yeah. Right? High school with like a bunch of early 20s. <laughs> Very obviously early 20s former models. Yes. So they go to this party and uh, there's only a few notable things about this party. They meet the the love interests, the the you know the relative love interests. The girls. And then we get we get the inevitable scene where a girl turns around and goes like Oh, wow. Who are those guys? And then somebody has to explain, oh, those are the sons of Ipswich. That's Caleb and what's one of them? Poggy? Pogi? I don't it's, even know. It's even like, more cringe than the one in Twilight, which is kind of like the gold standard <laughs> that's of the those cr- That's the gold standard for these. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Yeah, it's it's literally like a character turns around and goes like, and then, like, at the end, she goes, like, and I date that one. <laughs> it's just like, whoa, what the crap is this? And so they're having this rando, like, beach party. The moment that the exposition is delivered in the script, like, literally the second that they're done explaining, and then there's some weird minor altercation between the Sons of Ipswich and some rando jock dude that they apparently all Where hate. they use their witch power. Um, they use they they very subtly have their eyes gloss over and become fully black and subtly and inconspicuously use their witch powers to make his friends projectile vomit. It's totally normal. Because um, that's the other thing. Yeah, most humans have all black eyes uh, pretty easily. And so, like, this... This scene is ridiculous and it's stupid and none of it really works. All of these, all of these guys subscribe to the George Clooney method of acting where they look down and then look slightly up at everyone else in order to appear, you know, mysterious and cool. And it doesn't, doesn't really work at all. But the other notable thing about this party scene, apart from its spectacular failure of exposition, is that we have a, a special guest star. Um, I pointed him out to you when we, we talked about it. But um, so I don't, I don't know if you're familiar with um, conservative online pundit. I wish that I weren't. Stephen Crowder oh from his famous internet meme. uh prove prove me otherwise prove or me whatever wrong. like where yeah. he would go prove me wrong where he'd go sit on a college campus and and abuse college students for not being able to make cogent arguments on the fly and uh and he has a it was louder with crowder is that the stupid name of his show well what what i think a lot of people fail to realize is that uh, a lot of the the sort of field of conservative pundits that are out there and and it, liberal pundits too there's plenty of them uh, the vast majority of them are failed actors yeah. and comedians and writers, right? Like they, they tried desperately to find success in Hollywood and it didn't work because success in Hollywood is really hard unless 
you are a dark haired male model. Yeah, like, you know, all the boys um, in this movie, you can see why they're famous. It's pretty easy, right? Yeah. Uh, Taylor catches abs during swimming scene one. Whew. Yeah. He went to work on those things. Uh, but we have a special guest star. And that is because uh, on IMDb, you can go and see the the credited moments uh, that Steven Crowder has in film. And this is one of them. Uh, Steven Crowder is listed in the credits only as Party Boy, which, which I think is apt perfect. and great. And Party Boy is the one who takes over the DJ mic in order to inform the party that the fuzz is on its way. Right. We need to vacate. Uh, so he gets one line. Uh, he is mostly ensconced in shadow, but it is very it's very recognizably Steven Crowder. So uh, if you want to see Steven Crowder from back when he was trying to be, um, you know, a Hollywood guy. Uh, this this is it. You can see his acting chops on full display as he holds a cell phone, a flip phone <laughs> aloft. And informs everyone that the police are a coming. You can also the, see his acting skills on display in a video where he verbally abuses his wife. Oh, and that's a good one because at least he's smoking a cigar. And one thing I've learned in my acting training is you always want to have props. Yeah. You know, you want to have an available set of props to you know flesh out your performance. And he seems very good, very good at that. A good cigar is always nice to have have around yeah, while you're you know he's... verbally abusing your loved ones. It's a method performance. He really does believe that he has been wronged by his wife. He he does. And, you know, I was very convinced. But he's Incredibly. also a great party boy. He was literally party boy. He didn't even get a number. He wasn't even party boy number one or two. He is the singular party boy in the covenant. He wasn't and I think that's... That role again. Keep playing party I know. Boy. I mean, you would think... In the inevitable sequel to the Covenant, they would want to bring back the you know, the the, the well known party. He was going to angle this into a recurring role on the CW show that never was. <laughs> Wouldn't that have been interesting if there was a contractual option to bring Party Boy forward into the uh, Covenant extended universe? CW presents of... the Covenant featuring Party Boy. <laughs> he he might have even gotten a title sequence shot that would have been cool you know just holding a cell phone aloft yeah uh so anyway so the party ends the party wraps up and and they all split ways at the party we do get introduced to a mysterious newcomer played by sebastian stan uh and his name is chase or chalice or something i, I doesn't I think matter. it's chase He's, but i i feel chase like everyone right. in this movie is called chase i know that's not <laughs> true could, I know I'm. They just could all confused. be called Chase because there's an actor well, named an, Chase, and then there's, there's a character an actor named Chase, named Chase and then there's, there's a guy a named, named Caleb, Chase. which is close enough. So could as, might as well be Chase. They're all yeah. Chase. They're just all Chase. And so the the party splits up. The sons of Ipswich drive a Hummer, which is hilarious. <laughs> like, yeah, of course. And then we somehow get some kind of like weirdo chase scene through the forest as they're trying to escape the cops. Did not understand. They this. use magic to start a car. And they like, used magic in a really obvious way. They're like, how couldn't couldn't you hide your vehicle instead of letting the cops see you like lift it into the air and drop it back down? It just seems like Maybe. everyone should know that these are the witches. 
Yeah, the fact that people don't realize that their magic is surprising. Because they use it all the time. And frankly, unbelievable all the time for the smallest of things. I'm pretty sure those cops saw their license plate. I don't think there's any question about who are the witches in town. I think everyone should know that it's them. I mean, again, they're escaping and evading the police in a Hummer H3. Those are very distinct vehicles. And even if you live in a relatively large population center, you're not going to struggle to identify one of those cars. And yet the cops are right behind them and everybody's like, "Ah, who are those strange kids? I guess we'll never Uh, know. I bet they weren't the sons of Ipswich. Even though <laughs> that they had be personalized possible. plates that said sons of Ipswich. <laughs> I saw that one weird machine gun Kelly looking dude in the front. That must that certainly wasn't him. Uh yeah, it's just it's real bonkers and and reeks of a we need an action sequence here. And cuz uh, the other part of this is like these cops are just breaking up what I pres- like, they never actually saw the party. Yeah, it it broke like, up. The party, like, so the fact that they're chasing these kids through the woods in like a highly dangerous scenario that results in them flying, like their car flies off a cliff. Yeah, like, um, this all seems like really really sort of ill-advised, right? Like this isn't a thing that cops would do over a minor infraction having party at beach at night. Yeah. You know, it seems a little extreme. Um, But I also love that the cops, like literally no, no one else that we've heard speak has anything approximating a New England, Massachusetts accent. No. Like nothing even close. But these two cops are all like, ah, I'm going down to Baston Yard to get some wicked games. They understood the assignment. They actually read the script. And they're like, well, this is in New England. We should bring out our best. (laughs) Right. And since Rennie Harland is like, I I don't don't know. He just believes if I, (laughs) you know, do whatever accent you want, man. I don't care. Yeah, like do whatever. Doesn't matter. This is a, about a bunch of male models. <laughs> Who cares? From 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 all over the United yeah. States. So we're not going to try and make these these male models learn accents. That won't go well. Uh, so they land, they fly off the cliff, and then they land the Hummer behind the cop car, and the cop cars and the cops see everyone in the car. Yeah, like the light. They the saw lights are on their faces. Everyone. And That's what I'm again, saying, man. I just, don't get it. I don't know how the entire town <laughs> doesn't know who these kids are. And like their vehicle flew up into the fucking air and then landed and then they just drove away like it was nothing. I just, I feel like those cops would tell someone. Uh, yeah. Somebody would like be like, other I think cops? that was the sons of Ipswich. <laughs> nah, no. Nah, all the other cops were busy. They, they were busy chasing down Party Boy and his 2004 <laughs> Subaru WRX. <laughs> Uh yeah no I I don't know man it's just ridiculous everything about it's stupid and the power they and again they just use their powers all the time like literally all the time nonstop even though isn't it hurting the them world? when they're doing it well apparently the hurting doesn't start and again I'm I, I feel until they're for saying this until they're eighteen that's so they're true not that's when the powerful. pain started for me 
<laughs> that's true. That's when that's when life <laughs> truly began. Uh, literally the second, because the universe keeps track. The second ruined my own birth. that you were born. Ah, uh, so hard. So we also get this sort of like so Caleb Danvers, played by Stephen Strait, is is meant to be our protagonist, right? He's one of these sons of Ipswich, but he is the main character of this. He's the son. The other ones are sons. He's like the son. He is the son, the one that carries the legacy or whatever. And so he goes home to this, you know, mansion, because of course, and his. Again, I, I don't understand Rennie Harlan's choices sometimes. His mom wants to fuck him. Who's presume it's it's very weird. He he shoots her like she is a seductress in a 1940s detective noir film. Grossest thing. She's like she's shot from behind, she's smoking, she's drinking. She has this like vamp haircut. And the shit she says it's to him. So uncomfortable. It's- it was weird. Why is why why is this happening? Because I thought the movie was going somewhere with that. I was like, oh god, that's gross. Right, she, right. If it's gonna go like this, the only way that you get to keep your power is if you is it, yeah, like, mommy. Oh you know, like, <laughs> like whoa. <laughs> uh, you know, and that hey, at least that would have been a swing. Yeah. At least it would have been like, like we sound a, a we sound like crazy thing. people right now, but I promise you, if you watch the scene, that is what it's like. You think that that's gonna be the next part is them heading up to the bedroom. And I'm like, this is wrong. I don't like this at all. It's so weird, but I mean, from a plot standpoint, what is communicated is that Caleb's dad was really like, hot. Apparently, he was super attractive. <laughs> he, I don't know how, I don't know how he agreed to be in it, but his dad is actually played by um, was it Stephen McHattie, mm-hmm. the the Canadian actor, uh, who you know we. I've seen in dozens of things. He's a you know, huge staple on Star Trek and is like a fantastic actor. And he's credited in this as Caleb's dad. He has a single line. One. And they have him in some sort of like old man makeup that is so heavy and thick. You can barely tell who it is, which again prompts the question of why, why is he in this movie? I don't know. But so the, the the point is, is that this is where they start developing the plot that if you use your power too much, it ages you prematurely, right? It just because it's really addictive. your body. You want to use it all the time. Which is the other thing that is a weird take that could be interesting, that using magic is like a drug, right? Like you become addicted to it. But none of the these addiction, fine young men are. They aren't. They're all very concerned about it, or at least kind of concerned about it. But then it's kind of a non-issue. Yeah, nothing ever like, happens. Eh, whatever. And and that becomes a, a plot point later for you know one of the other characters who gets revealed. But it's I'm like so I'm not a big like magic eve rules guy, right? Like I'm not the dude watching Lord of the Rings being like, how does Gandalf's magic work? Yeah, I don't it's give like, a shit. I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit. I don't care. 
you know, I know there are people out there that really love like the Brandon Sanderson style of magic. Godspeed I'm, I'm listening. <laughs> Godspeed, good, good, good emperor. Because um, I'm listening to his Mistborn series on my commute. And the Mistborn series, the magic is all tied to metal. And he spends a good like five chapters just explaining all of these metallurgic interactions and how they produce magical effects. Like forever, you know, and it's very enlightening and you kind of fully understand the system and what you need to do and what counters what the, the rock, paper, scissors of it all. But I don't need that. I don't demand that in my movies and my, my media when it comes to magic. Like I'm perfectly acceptable. If something is just magic uh, because it fucking is. Right, it's like Star Wars, right? It's space magic. No one cares. It like, was terrible yes, when you tried to explain it, so just stop. They could have run fast down the hallway to save Qui-Gon from Darth uh, Maul. I've heard it all before. No one cares. It's it stupid. It's better Don't. that he died. <laughs> <laughs> he needed to die. Um, so it's it's just... But this film wants to have it both ways. It wants to have these very specific, very arcane rules, but then explain absolutely nothing about how this magic Yeah, there's no works. reason for any of this to be the way that it is, other than it no. was in the script. Some guys can make spiders. Yeah. Some guys can make blasts of air. That was never really <laughs> clarified why... Some guys Bucky can has fix spider Volvos. power. <laughs> because nope. that is I think that's his primary weapon is the spider. Until the is energy balls. Making spiders. Until the energy But the balls. energy balls could be made of like spider energy, I guess. I don't I just don't really understand. I don't understand what's going on. It's it's very awkward and 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 distract I mean it, the problem is is it's it's distracting because you go like, wait, what? They can do that? You know, like, I, they want them to just be these sort of, like, generic superheroes, basically. You know, like, they, they, the magic in this particular film is really just about them having superpowers, right? That's that's it. Yeah. And it's, it's very much like a, well, what superpower do I need to have at this moment? And then that's the thing they can do. It's it's very it's very distracting. It's very unsatisfying because when characters do a cool thing, you have absolutely no context for why they're doing it or how they're doing it or, or you know whatever. So it's it's very strange and feels like maybe and and again, given Rennie Harlan's you know sort of task of dismantling other films and then trying to reassemble them into other things, it seems like that happens to him a bunch. Uh, maybe that's scene missing type material, right? Where they do more explanations and they just decided, you know what? But this sucker can't be two hours long, so we're going to cut all of the it. The thing is, they follow up this scene with his mom explaining more about how male models' dad succumbed to the power and used too much and something bad happened and all these rules and then right as, mm -hmm. right as the explanation feels like it could splinter off and actually tell us something, we have to take a ladies in their underwear break. Because oh, this is 2006. So many good ladies in their underwear breaks um, uh, to be had. 
You know, uh, I'm yeah. I'm honestly like I'm I don't want to I'm not a prude. I have no problem with with sex or nudity no, in films. God, like no. that that is not what I mean. No. But this is gratuitous. It's pretty bad. Um, um you know, and I So we'll set the scene. Yeah. We'll, we'll set the scene and then you can you can give us the full blast because this new girl who literally just arrived has been dormitory buddied with the girl who was explaining everything on the beach, who's dating one of these guys and she's laying on the bed and we see her reflected in a mirror. So Freddie Harlan really just putting in the paces here. He's like, no, we'll do it in reflection in mirror. I don't think he has a Russian accent. (laughs) Hey, I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. Um, So he, he, and, and the, the other girl walks out of the bathroom and she's in a sheer nighty, with like stark white underwear on underneath of it. So yeah. Women do not hang out like this. I know that everyone would love for that to be real. But in Rennie Harlan's world. Yeah. Like this is this is one of those moments where you sit back and go like, ah, so this is what straight men think we do when we're alone. Right. It's like if if these were real college roommates those women would be in like triple XL Garfield t-shirts making <laughs> pizza rolls in a dirty shirt. microwave and and here's farting. the shirt I got for participating in a softball yeah, tournament like this, my junior year of high school. This yeah. is not this is this is just and and I I get it I get it we're in a movie about witches you know there's some fantasy to mm-hmm. be had here but this is weird. It's it's we yeah it's strange that that she would wear this to bed when literally the only other person in the room is this other. This I, other well, girl. you know, I can think of a situation that you would do that, and it would be if you were a lesbian and you were trying to seduce your mm-hmm. roommate. But these girls right. are only thinking and talking about the boys because boys. this movie could not pass any tests, let alone a Beck. And so the the one girl, the new girl, at least at the start of the scene, she's like, you know, got like a sweater on or something. But then as they start talking, she just starts taking it she, off. She takes it off. And she's just wearing these like this sheer underwear. Basically, they're both wearing lingerie like, to talk about their what men is happening. Wow. Because I guess she was supposed to be, she was going to the bathroom to take a shower. And so she's disrobing and going down to the lingerie and then just walking around in a towel. Because yeah, they're, they're just a, girls here. In a, a in, an, in an academy, a high school, yeah. for high school aged people, she's just going to walk to the communal bathroom in a towel in, a, in, in the in middle of the night. what appears to be a co-ed dormitory? There's, there's boys yeah, everywhere. Definitely, there's boys. I just everywhere. don't think they know how schools in the U.S. work. <laughs> I don't think anybody at this was fact checking the school. Activity, we got all these sexy you know. young people. We're gonna make them do sexy stuff. Again, all I'll say is 2005, baby. Like this is this is where America was. It was it was low rise jeans and a whole lot of beaded necklaces and, and back tattoos. Just unfortunate choices uh okay so all that ends they they 
we get very little actual movement in the plot from that scene. Just a whole lot of uh, ladies. But then, like, they have to have some kind of, like, inciting event. Like, something has to happen. Because nothing's happened yet. We just know that there are these boys. And they're, like, demons or witches or warlocks or something. And so the police, apparently all of them, like, every police has shown up to deal with this party on the beach situation. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they discover a car that is not left, that did not escape by flinging itself off a cliff and then magically reappearing. And inside is a dead boy who I think we briefly see at the party. And he's kind of like in an altercation or something. Um, and so he he's dead and his face looks bad and his eyes have been uh you know sort of like whited out so that's creepy and the police are very perturbed uh this is a plot point that is never really referred to again and uh well it it is in a way but like the whole like idea of police investigating this death i think we get one more scene where it's referenced and then it's never mentioned again uh, ever. No, the and then we go right back. That's what we want to the see. The teen, yeah. This is a real Scooby Doo situation here, right? That's what these sons of Ipswich are really getting up to. Their Hummer is a mystery machine. That's all I'm gonna say. Uh, but then we go right back to them sexy ladies, uh, showering with their very prominent cross back tattoos in a communal shower in what seems to be a bustling academy, because there was like 750 kids on that beach. But this particular shower is Completely. totally empty. Well, she's showering in the <clears throat> middle of the night, which I don't think yes. you're allowed to do. I don't think they just let you wander the halls any old time. Not, yeah. Yeah, not a lot of RAs are like, yeah, you can shower at 3.30 that's in the morning. Not, it's totally fine. No, okay. no, it's bad news. We've got lots of sexy steam. Mm, it's so much sexy yeah, steam, and and you know, perfectly sized towels so they can wrap around you with a little bit of modesty. And then some high quality, startling yeah. acting. Like she she looks like she can act the hell out of a startle. Um, and then there's like a ghost, uh, a steam man. A, a steamy, a steamy man. Something fishy going on um, here in Ipswich. Yeah, <laughs> there's apart from all these witches constantly <laughs> doing magic. <laughs> this isn't like this the regular is... magic. This is some kind of other magic. <laughs> yeah, this is the bad magic. Bad magic. That's the good, like normal, fun pranking. Where we magic. fix each other's cars. No, this is this, is, oh, this isn't right. fun anymore. We're fixing Volkswagens for ladies over here with our magic. Now you guys are getting all creepy. Um, and so the movie's the movie's trying really hard to develop that uh, uh, pre-machine gun Kelly is is the bad guy. Like it's it's really trying to show him as like this unhinged character. They're doing a and, bad job. And, yeah, because he's he's pretty harmless, but he, you know, again in this communal space where she's just walking around in a towel he just kind of shows up and no one seems to be particularly concerned about it or 
she doesn't seem to be particularly concerned about the fact that she is buck naked in the middle of a darkened hallway with with I'm going to go ahead and say a stranger like she doesn't know this kid. She met him on the beach and a girl said, oh, he's hot. And then she was like, yeah, that's all and you need to know. So, <laughs> so, I mean, I guess we're all fine here. No issues, no problems. But they, yeah, they're really trying to, to try and do a, a bait and switch with this guy that doesn't work and it's unnecessary. And. Again, I, I just feel bad for the the actresses, uh, the 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 actors in this film, because Jiminy Christmas, uh, not much to work with, and what's here is bad. Um, so the they everybody knows the kid died. I I guess we kind of forgot that the beach party was the Spencer party, like it's the party that the school has every year. So like the cops know it's going to happen. Um, Which raises a lot of questions about why things went down like they did, but okay. Yeah, you know, it's 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 weird, but because, uh, you know, if it's like an annual tradition, then why would the cops, like, be that upset about it? Yeah, like, and, it shouldn't... You know. I don't know. I just don't like it. It's It's, it's dumb. It's dumb. It's all dumb. So then we get a very interesting scene uh, because as they're discussing the discovery of this student who uh, they say died of an overdose, which. What kind I, of overdose of okay, what? <laughs> overdose of what? And how, how would that matter? That. But I, the thing I wanted to point out about this scene, because he's talking to his buddy on the phone, Taylor Kitsch, he's talking to Taylor Kitsch on the phone. Taylor Kitsch is like, well, don't worry about it, bro. It's fine. No one cares. And then he looks over, and in the side seat, he sees the dead kid, right? And this distracts him from driving his very nice 2006 Mustang. But what I wanted to point out is that even before the accident, before he sees the Darkling, he's driving on the wrong side of the road. <laughs> like, the shot has him on the wrong side of the road. So he wasn't startled onto the wrong side of the road. He was already driving on the wrong side of the road. Yeah, like but... just for the shot right before. So it's he's he's like he's on the right side, on the right side, on the right side, and then it has a little phone conversation, and then it cuts, and he's just on the wrong side of the road. And he gets into a car accident with a, a semi truck and should die, right? Like it it should kill him. But we get an exploding car, like his car explodes, and then it reassembles. I guess he reassembles just, too. I'm assuming that he does. We don't see him in the midst of the process, I assume, because a digital double of a human being would have been very expensive at the time. Uh, but he identifies it as a darkling. Which is a sign of bad. And yeah, and, bad and that's sign. all we get. That's it. That's their only clue that maybe something's up in Ipswich, bro. But yeah, so it's a very the the car explodey scene is very much like stuff we would see in the future in uh Transformers, you know, like how the Transformer would like explode and reform and then it would have a person inside of it that it's kind of moving around to make sure they don't get squished and whatnot. It's basically that, but we don't really understand how he survives other than 
he does. It, with the magic, apparently. Which so power he makes it out alive. Anything. anything. Literally anything. And yeah, it's just, it's real goofy. And you can tell the film thinks it's cooler than it is. Like, because it goes into slow-mo and it's like the slow-mo Yeah, this was supposed to be a around. big it's, shot. Like an important. And, brrr, and it's not. It ain't. It ain't a good. It ain't a big shot at all. It's it's a bad one, uh, and so we we get reintroduced to to Chase, whatever his name is, played by Sebastian Stan, and so Chase is the new guy, and he's obviously the one that's doing all this stuff. And the fact that the film thinks its audience is stupid enough to not realize that is pretty insulting, I think. Um, a lot of good shots of that Mustang, though. Whew. Well, Ford, we paid for it. Ford paid Ford paid some good money to feature the 2006 convertible Mustang GT, and, uh, and they got that. Rennie Harlan can shoot the hell out of a Mustang. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And uh, for re- okay, so why does our our Caleb Danvers seemingly the boy that every girl wants to be with? If the beach scene is any indication. What is it about this young lass that that enthralls him so? What is the source of their connection, you think? I'm not really sure because they don't really say that much to each other and they don't spend that much time together. But they're in love. (laughs) They are. Deeply. And the only other thing that's explored between them is that Caleb is basically like a legacy yeah, like student, he's... right? Like my dad went there, so I go there and, and this girl's there on a scholarship, right? So she, she's a smarty who got out of the ghetto of <laughs> upper middle-class Boston <laughs> and like wound up at the Spencer Academy mid semester, right? Or like whatever. It's, it's just, like I don't understand why these two people like each other. I don't understand the mutual attraction that they share. And the film seems to think that the the only reason that they need to be together is that he's a male model and she's blonde. Yeah. And I think that's all it I think that's all they said. In all fairness, it's a pretty good breakdown of an average high school relationship. Like we're both young and wrong. we look good, so you know. Yeah, I've got a nice car. You like riding right. in cars. You need a ride somewhere. 2006 convertible <laughs> Mustang, you know. <laughs> and then, well, the first it's... time that they really spend time alone is when they go on the car ride together. Right. And he to go takes to the mysterious to house a murder in the woods. House. Mm-hmm. And I don't care. Like they're shot I at. don't care. They get shot at. How many blow. Hollister ads you've been in? If you drive me to a murder house, <laughs> I'm gonna ask to leave. I'm I'm gonna just actually I might just get out and walk home because I don't want to <laughs> go to the murder house. The doom house. Hey, there there are graded levels of murder house, and at best this is like a three. This, I don't right? know. It had boarded up windows, <laughs> and then he's like, "Oh, I'm here to visit." What what was it? The care the caretaker. I'm here to see the ca- I'm here to see the creepy <laughs> old caretaker. The caretaker. Uh Gorman. His Go- name is Gorman. Like I'm just I'm just imagining being her on this date. 
and it just gets weirder and weirder. Like, oh yeah, the the house is out here. Like, wow, way out in the country like this, huh? Yeah, yeah. It's just uh, about fifteen miles just, out. Like, oh, and then he drives her to a it, clearing, and all you see is like the beast from the ritual, <laughs> and he's like, no, 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 that's Charlie. He's fine. It's, it, don't worry about it. <laughs> like, like, uh, she just goes along with it. She's she's okay with it. She's like he's really and seems really, genuinely engaged. He's really really yeah. cute, and <laughs> he just wanted to show me where his entire family was <laughs> murdered. He wanted to show me the familial murder house <laughs> on our first date, and uh, golly, I'm engaged. Uh, golly, I'm into it. Oh man, I love being shot at by strange old men named Gorman. <laughs> On my first date, well, then, with this new like the boy. kid, he just acts. Re- he acts really weird when they get there too. He's like, "Oh, you better stay here. I'll go in and yeah, handle he Gorman." In the car. Gorman sounds kind of cranky today, dude. babe. You better stay in the car. Right. I'll take these mysterious medications into the murder house, and <laughs> and you know we'll hope for the best. I think uh, so. Okay, so that scene ends, and then we go to a bar because also this movie is footloose, apparently. And we go to a bar, and once again, these these young boys just doing magic, constant. They can't stop. Unstoppable magic, uh, blowing up girls' skirts, like just doing the dumbest shit in the world, and just not seeming to care. We watched this kid reassemble his own body and car after it mm-hmm. was exploded by a truck. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. to follow it up with a scene where they're like, I can make a debris blow up a skirt or something. Because <laughs> I'm a and witch. Then, and then to use it to win at pool. It's just, it's ridiculous. It's horrible. But, but I wanted, I had to point out that whatever production designer or, or costume designer, I guess, really. So as they're, you know, costume establishes a lot about character. Yes. I mean, we can agree that just in terms of film, the, how you choose to dress your character says a lot about them. So all of, all of the, the Ipswich boys are wearing like shirtless tees of various colors and qualities. But I felt it was worth pointing out that Taylor Kitsch's character is the only one that wears his cell phone on a belt clip. That was a cool thing. Straight to do up, just a flip phone on a belt clip. Cool. And it, I saw it and I was like, oh, wow. Like, this movie is working so hard to make these, mo- these male models look attractive. Yeah. And then they put a flip phone in a belt clip. In 2006, like, that wasn't just for your dad. No. Uh, And then the bar scene ends after the girl with the back tattoo plays a Joan Jett song and turns it all around. Turns it all around. They they do a dance. Stephen Strait awkwardly engages with her. It's ridiculous. The dancing is so funny. Like I don't know, I don't know how I was supposed to feel when she starts dancing and trying to get everyone to dance, and then it works. I'm like, what is this? Yeah, and it's, I, mm, I, I don't know, man. Just awkward. I, 
everything about this scene is awkward. None of it's sexy. All of it's strange. None of these kids are cool. She's, no, because they're all male models. <laughs> <laughs> male models are supposed to look hot, not cool. That's different. Those are yeah. two different skills. But the fact that she keeps taking her dress and just like hiking it up and grinding on people, it's just weird. He danced, It's all right? weird. And then they have to break up a fight between Machine Gun Kelly and the jock guy. Because, of course, because this is also a high school movie, right? Uh. It has to be. So we've got to have this moment. And somehow we're, we're being asked to side with the all-powerful ma- all powerful male models. Yeah. <laughs> like, we're still, like, this is a movie that's asking us to embrace the high school archetype of the shithead jock. But yet the op- the opposition are warlocks of unlimited power. <laughs> like, wait, so who am I supposed to root for in this situation? No one. Nobody no one. wins. Exactly. No one wins in this film <laughs> under any circumstances. And so then they have a little warlock battle in the back of this bar and trash this alley. And again, it's like, are you supposed to be keeping this secret? Is that what the covenant of silence is? Yeah. Is to not do magic? Yeah. Because if that's the case, you're all bad at it. Yeah. They've been doing magic this whole time. <laughs> what might have changed this for me, and this is another one of those, like, I'm watching this, I'm not having a good time. So I'm trying to, like, in my mind, be like, how could this be better? And it honestly could have been better if instead of Chase being another secret son of Ips- Ipswich, spoiler alert, sorry, if he was a witch hunter, right? Like, wouldn't that be instantaneously Much more better. engaging? Yeah. That would Like, great. he is there because he knows that there are witches in Ipswich based on, who knows, research, whatever. I don't know if it would have saved he's come the movie, here to, but it would have no. been oh, a God, no. vast improvement. Because at least then it's like this whole like covenant of secrecy that they're supposed to maintain matters because now they're putting themselves at risk because he's doing these things to draw them out. And and now they're they're like, you know, well, do we use our magic to save ourselves because, you know, we have to because of this weird. Maybe he builds these weird ass scenarios. Maybe he's he's out here making like big witch hunting Rube Goldberg machines and it's all like the barrel falls on the thing that triggers another thing. And, and then they've got to use their magic to stop it. And, and he's all like, ha ha. <laughs> like, I don't know. I set a witch maybe trap. He's, maybe he's filming them on a flip phone from 2005. And he's like, ha ha, I've got you now. I'm calling the International Society of Witch Hunters. and We're going to come burn you all at the stake. Like at least that would have had some kind of interesting threat, but no, it's he's just another witch or warlock. Excuse me. Yeah, this seems like a. <laughs> They're not witches. This seems like a world that I don't belong in. You know. Yeah, it seems like a world that no one belongs in. <laughs> it's the problem. rich witch teenagers. Oh, the problems that we all have as rich all-powerful teenagers who have the ability to reassemble our cars on the fly after a car accident. Um, seems like if you could do that, you can get away with quite a bit. Uh, so 
we're 35, 40 minutes into this this giant turd. Like, it's just this massive. Yeah, it doesn't get any better. Wet turd, and nothing is going to get better. Because the next phase is the spiders. Um, dreams about spiders, actual spiders, little spiders, big spiders, uh, all kinds of spiders, just just everywhere. And they had the gall, like the, the actual gall, to show these kids in class. To be like, wait, what? We're, we're really supposed to believe that these witches are like, going to school like what what are you talking about three days and then machine gun kelly makes a stephen king Dreamcatcher joke that i'm not even sure would be okay i'm i'm engaging with this film too much okay so these kids are in high school right what year did Dreamcatcher come out 2001 2000 something like that it was the shit weasel movie right yeah, shit weasels, right? Because they're um, not referencing with, uh, the book. I don't believe that anyone who's in high school has ever read the book. No, God, no. Uh, yeah, so Dreamcatcher comes out. Okay, Dreamcatcher came out in 2003. All right, so three years before this movie. So later than I thought. So this that means that this son of Ipswich, who's like 17 and change, saw Dreamcatcher when he was 14 and thought it was awesome. I don't believe you. I don't believe, I don't it. believe it. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I think the screenwriter of this film did, but I don't believe that this character would have done that under any circumstances. So we get our last mention of the kid dying. They're interviewing students about whether they saw him and what happened. It's meaningless. All of it's meaningless. <clears throat> other than to remind us that that happened and that that guy is now running around as a darkling, as a sign of bad things, um, which is definitely a thing that happens. And, and then we, we have to have the library studying scene. Uh, we've got to have that. So we've got characters in the library studying because this is also like Harry, real Harry Potter business, right? We can't forget about the success of Harry Potter. And, and we, and we have the the blonde girl, the, the the future girlfriend, discovering seemingly at random a book about the rise of witches, and not just all witches, but specifically the witches from the town in which she currently resides. You know, there's just too many similarities. I feel like between between the book and her situation. I wonder why she didn't immediately pick it up. These are the witches. Yeah, and I, I love I love that the I love that the group of witches that instituted this covenant of silence, they didn't do some things that are very simple, like change their last name. Yeah. Right? Like all of these books reference their family name specifically yeah. and 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 mention baby witches yeah right like they were they were hunted as witches if you believe in that sort of thing (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so yeah it's very weird we we see she finds the barn that caleb took her to the house it's and the spiders and then spiders obviously lots of spiders and it's it's all very on the nose and and very much like bad 
it's it's bad and it's what it's what bad tv shows do to try and like build tension about a thing but let's forget about the library scene because that's stupid but the next scene is the real money shot we're gonna go swimming it's, it's, <laughs> it's swimming time and not only is it swimming time but it's swimming time it's in the t- in the tiniest swim trunks that have ever been worn, they put on teeny. By a they, human all the being. male models put on as little as possible, and they go swimming, and then they take showers together. I, I, there's no reason to ever feel bad for Taylor Kitsch. Okay, I don't, I don't want to feel bad for Taylor Kitsch, but I feel bad for Taylor Kitsch in this scene because, again, some costume designer was like, okay, so this is what normal swim trunks are. See what Steven Strait is wearing. See what shithead Machine Gun Kelly is wearing. Taylor Kitsch, we're going to take four inches off the top of that. I'm... I mean, like, the distance between his belly button and the top of these swim trunks is no joke eight inches. Like, it is ridiculous. And hey... I've never had a V-belt that deep in my life. I, I could say as a young man, I got pretty close. Definitely not there anymore. What if he writes that but... into his contract? That like, I need, <laughs> I need I like know. everything down to my pubes to be visible at all times. All times. All times. Literally all times. And, uh, and by golly, Rennie Harlan gave it to him in spades. Like, Along with it's... a lot of like men's asses. That's another thing yeah, that yeah. this part gives us. It's, it's a lot. It's which, a lot. You know, it's a again, lot of <laughs> <laughs> Which, I mean, given, given the, the treatment of, you know, the, the, the female characters, the women characters in this movie, the, earth, the, the cardboard cutouts placed in scenes, unfortunately portrayed by, by actors, um, I guess this is fair compensation. Yes. Yeah. You know, in, in terms of audience satisfaction, it's fair. Although I, I but, still feel upset about it either way. I feel upset about both scenes. I don't think they needed to be in this movie, but okay. No. Yeah, it's, it's all bad. None of this <laughs> needs to be here other than to establish that these people are young and hot and likely sexy models. people like doing that's it. Sexy things sexfully. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> Yeah, because it's the other part of it is is that none of it is titillating at no like this none of it. The last thing I would want to be while watching this movie is horny. That just sounds yeah like, sad. To what to what end? <laughs> right? Get like, horned up watching Renny Harlan movies. <laughs> I mean, are you going to screenshot this and post it to your MySpace? Is that the goal here? Is that what they were going for? <laughs> I mean, like that would have been the only available option at the time. This is still a couple years pre-X. Um, I guess, it, you know, it's not Twitter anymore. It's X. A, a real brand. Very recognizable in the world. Uh, yes, X, that company I'm super familiar with. Um, I also, this is where I started to realize that every single significant interaction between Stephen Strait and the, his love interest has taken place inside of a car. Like, I mean, they had the dance at the bar, right? But everything, like, they've spent more time in this fucking Mustang. We paid <laughs> and, for the Mustang. <laughs> like, it's it's ridiculous. It's like, 
Mustangs aren't even that comfortable. There is a massive center console that would make leaning over very uncomfortable. The car actually got top billing in this film. That's true. Yeah, it's it's Ford Mus- 2006 Ford Mustang convertible, Stephen Strait. That's that's how it went. Uh, so their relationship continues apace. No one cares. Uh, the roommate gets sick with spiders, <laughs> spiders that make her feel bad. I don't know. He gets the spider <laughs> sure, sickness. Whatever. The Ipswich spider sickness. Blames <laughs> yeah, another the one. Infamous Ipswich spider sickness. It's coming for us all. And then we get a, a a manly swim race. Just the manliest of swimming um, between Sebastian Stan and Stephen Strait. Because Stephen Strait is like the freestyle king. We get it set to just the best hard rock swimming soundtrack <laughs> that you could possibly imagine. That's what you need. And, uh, and then they swim. And then maybe Stephen Strait sees Sebastian Stan's eyes turn black. Because magic but in a way that's like, you know, totally, totally not obvious and super absolutely normal and totally fine. But then he hits his head and he gets knocked out and, you know, things happen. They had to end the scene. But it's sexy. They could have spent the whole movie in a, in a pool. Everyone loves that's true. I mean, I've, I've seen some pretty great pool, pool centered films some pool based films. And and that seems like a great, it seems like a great place to start. And very few you know, of them had witches, a movie which, together. you know, <laughs> seems cool. Yeah. I mean, this is where Rennie Harlan gets to innovate <laughs> by having witches in pools, right? Because generally witches are going to stay away from made water. entirely right? of witches. I can't see how anything would go wrong. Nothing would. I think that would Nothing just be would. This ideal. Movie it. No one would. No one would ever realize that they were using their witch powers no. to win at swimming. Who would consider such an outcome? Another the witch. The answer is no one. Might suspect what they're doing. <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> might. Yeah. Another witch might be like, hey. Which, which is really kind of what happened. That's true. Someone uses true. magic. And so this gets Stephen straight onto Chase's case. He's on Chase's case. Uh-huh. Uh, the case of Chase. Where he finds out that his parents died on his 18th birthday and that perhaps he is also a, a warlock. Excuse and this me, is, not a witch. He's, he's and this is definitely more manly than that. This is infuriating because this is an hour into the movie. And everyone mm-hmm. is just now figuring out what we have known for slightly less than an hour. Yes, since since Sebastian Stan appeared in the film. He's obviously the bad guy. Obviously the bad guy, obviously knows what they are, obviously is trying to ingratiate himself into their their little their little group. And yet uh, just now they're like, oh, "No." Uh and it's because they they see his name, I think. They realize that he was a a goody prior maybe something. And they're like, he's the lost son of the Goody family or whatever. <laughs> they're all... But that leads, okay, so they're in like looking at school records, but that leads to the most hilarious special effects shot in this film. Um, and it is, to, to evade a security guard, they hover close to the ceiling in the records room, which is apparently just massive. 
It's like a gymnasium. And, and, yeah, and they're so just many floating. Rooms. They're just floating up there, and it's it's so bad, and it looks terrible. And you can tell, like, to get the shot, they just sort of suspended them from wires and had them hang. And it just looks so awkward and so bad. <laughs> like it's 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 a laughable special effects shot in a film rife with laughable special effects shots. That is the yeah, one. Yeah, this wasn't I, the I only time I laughed. Like, bam. No, the the entire like end fight of this movie is a laughable sequence of special effects that don't work and look bad. So then the sons meet uh, after we find out that that roommate girl is very sick. She is very heavy with spiders. (laughs) She's laden with spiders. None of the doctors can find them, but just the spidery of spiders. So maybe it's a it's a metaphorical spider, but the end result is the same. So they consult the Book of Damnation to to learn about Chase because apparently this ancient book but written in modern english is capable of telling them that he is indeed another witch and then stephen Strait begins begins his process of insisting that he has to deal with this alone yeah and and this is another one of those like what why why (laughs) because he's the chosen one right i i I guess maybe it's because he's the closest to his 18th birthday and it's implied that since chase but like wouldn't you want the help from the other witches why would you not want their help it doesn't it doesn't seem like his powerful post 18 magic would be resistant or in it or unaffected by the other magic but yet they just insist he insists over and over again he's like no this is my problem i've got to do it I'm the only one who can. I'm the guy. It's me. And it's like, but you don't have to be. There are literally three other dudes here who can do apparently quite a lot of magic. Like, we've seen them do a lot of magic. And maybe, yeah, a lot of it's weird parlor trick bullshit magic. But that seems like it could still be valuable in the right circumstances. Um, But yeah, it, it's all bad. Then uh, Taylor Kitsch's character finds out his girlfriend is... <laughs> That's the spider sickness. <laughs> he takes off on his Ducati because, of course. And then apparently he has not learned the disassemble and reassemble vehicle technique from his no. good buddy Stephen Strait. <laughs> because one. when he goes, because when he goes up against the other magic guy, his his bike just gets wrecked real bad. And maybe it's because of the competing magics. Maybe that's why. He's not know. the chosen one, so he can't do He the is most not magical. the chosen one. That's right. His father was not the father. He was just some guy. That spawned the main guy. Some He's just the other guy. And he may have the finest abs of all of them, but that doesn't equate to magic. His abs can't save you now. And so here's where this film, uh, we're about an hour in, you know, like you said, and, uh, and here is where things go bad for Sebastian Stan. Uh, first, first hour of this film, he's fine. You know, he's, he's fine. He's kind of smarmy and Um, weird, you know, and, and now it just, it goes sharply downhill in terms of the quality of the script that he has to deal with 
he gets very growly, a lot of, uh, now I will be the man. Uh, like, like a lot of that. That's how you know that he's a threat. He's the bad guy. He's, he's dangerous. And I really, it feels like at some point in the discussion, Rennie Harlan was like, could they have vampire teeth or something? Like somebody asked that question. I believe that they were like, cause they hold their mouths weird when they're in like witch mode, right? They're like doing this weird half open panty thing. And it feels like, like somebody was like, man, maybe their teeth could just come down. And then somebody yelled across to, to Rennie and was like, they're not vampires. And he's like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> Right or something what like they that. Have like, there is a classic case of the witch jaw. It's witch jaw. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's generally a symptom of the spiders. <laughs> you gotta watch out for that. I mean, that'll that will progress into spiders before you know. It. First sign is you get witch jaw. Second sign is you start having spiders. And then the last, I mean, the final sign is a spider-induced coma. Spider-induced coma. That's right. And the witch jaw at that point is just unrecoverable. Yeah. So, all right. We're 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 fortunately, again, this film is brief. That is one of its, its few benefits is that it does not last that long. But once Chase is revealed as bad guy, it's just, he's just getting off to all kinds of shenanigans now. Like, the cork has been popped and, and the witch's the witch juice is a flowing, right? So he shows up pretending apparently he can also morph into other human beings. And so he shows up pretending to be Stephen Strait as, uh, as Caleb and convinces his girlfriend. And, and then they have a conversation and we get the nice little fake out when the real Stephen Strait shows up and it's, it's just bewildering. It's like, what is happening? What, what are these people capable of? If they can pretend to be anyone they want to be, why are they? Why did he even show up looking the way that he does? It, the thing is, all of these things just unravel. It makes no sense. I was not like a a huge lover of the craft, but I will sure. say yeah, I mean, that the magic fun, in that you know? movie was understandable, and I felt like mm-hmm. it had limits and it had clear borders of like these witches can't do that. They can yeah, do. There, there has to be limits, yeah, man. They can do know? like party tricks, but they can't reassemble crashed cars, and they can't just float like a hundred feet in the air, and they can't summon energy balls. Like they just, they're just <clears throat> things that they can't do. But this movie has no rules whatsoever. Just no, nothing. It, and, it invents them as it goes. And it yeah. and it kind of unravels itself because whatever kind of rules that it, it even tries to put in place in the beginning, like that conversation with mom is long gone. Now it's just yeah. Oh, yeah. what no. sort of okay. bonkers stuff can we can we do with the remaining time in this weird, terrible movie? Right. And and the entire concept of using your magic too much and having it negatively affect your physical doesn't body doesn't even matter anymore. It doesn't matter. Like, because they have a huge magic fight at the end of this. They thing, use and, so much magic and nothing happens. And Sebastian Stan, who they're at the end of this movie, they're both ascended by the time it happens. So they should both be like on that clock. And like, there are no consequences whatsoever. Um, he is just as much a hot male model at the beginning of the fight as he is at the end. And it's, it's ridiculous. 
So we set up some kind of final conflict. There is a very, I'm going to say awkward scene. Uh, they have a little fight in, in girlfriend's dorm room and they wind up in the bathroom. And I, I don't know if you remember this. And like Steven Strait is just soundly getting his ass kicked with air blasts and, and strange energy balls. And then like Sebastian Stan is on stop uh, is on top of him. And he's like doing this whole, like, I'll be one of you. I'll take your power. It's my power. That's how I'll be okay with all of the things and, and stuff. And straight's trying to, trying to explain like, Hey man, it doesn't matter if you, your body's still going to age. It doesn't matter how much power you absorb. It's not going to change anything. And, and then he, he says like, okay, brother. And then like kisses him on the cheek, which I thought was a, an interesting choice. Um, given their relationship I mean, you know i actually i like seeing men kiss that's nice no i mean i was like i wasn't i mean i was fine with the only it, tender moment like, in the movie <laughs> i was like okay so is there a is there a cut of this movie where chase wanted to be accepted into this group first and then they kind of like rejected him without knowing that that's what they were doing and then pissed him off and that's why he's doing this is there like a version of this where that happened because that would also be more interesting um, you know like they're just like stuck up like heads up our asses douchebags who have magic powers and don't realize that this guy's one of them yeah. like I, I that's an interesting thing and then he's like you know in this moment he's like acknowledging like I wanted to be one of you but you know this is the the kiss of death now or whatever. <laughs> the like, witch's I don't, I don't kiss know. of death. Um, maybe it's the maybe it's the addiction thing. Maybe they're playing into that. I bet there's like, like an 800 you know, page I don't screenplay somewhere that's like the real version of the Covenant. It's like this four yeah. movie sweeping epic, and this is what we got. And this is this is it. You know, uh, I, I, I it is worth noting. Okay, so I did notice this in the credits, and I had to go. I had to go find out why um, one of the, I think he's listed as a consulting or maybe an executive producer. Like he's, he's listed as a producer and he's right at the, at the top of the end credits, but credited on this film is Mark Silvestri. Yeah. Mark Silvestri, for those who don't know, was one of the six slash seven hyper successful Marvel comics artists in the 1990s that broke off and as a unit formed image amongst around all their little sub studios. So Mark Silvestri started top cow studios, which was responsible for comics like the darkness and Witchblade and a bunch of other stuff. And he's, he's a producer on this. And so I looked it up and sure as shit, there is a covenant two issue comic book series. That apparently I think you can get the graphic novel version of it. I don't know if you can get the single issues anymore because who bought this? Like literally no one. I guarantee you no one. And if they but did really buy it, feel... they tried to get rid of it immediately after. They Yes, they burned it. They were like, oh, this would do we need toilet paper? We could just stack this up by the bathroom. Um, but yeah, this they made a comic book of this. It's a prequel and it is focused on when all of them got their powers during a summer camp when they all turned 13 <laughs> and it's written by the same guy 
uh, J.S. Cardone or whatever his name is. Um, so like, I really feel like they, they were trying to spin up a thing, right? And there probably is like somewhere on J.M. Cardone's, you know, 2004 iBook, if it's still in storage, <laughs> there is some kind of massive story Bible for this world. And man, I don't think it helped this movie at all. No. Like it probably hurt it at the end of the day. Cause I could see people thinking that this formula would work. Yeah. We've got all these male models. We've got all these attractive people. They're going to be doing weird, witchy superhero stuff. But oh, nope, it ain't working. So uh, I, I don't know if we need to talk about the, the lead up to the ending. The, the big reveal is his dad. Like they go back to the house. He introduces him to his father for some reason. <laughs> Doesn't seem like his dad's very aware or cognizant or I gives don't, a shit. I don't but... understand why the movie chose to give us all this information through the new girl. Why is she with yeah, him? That's Why true. does he bring her along? Yeah. That, like, it doesn't make any it sense. It makes no sense. And I know that she's just, just there to be, like, an audience proxy so that he can have a moment where he explains what the fuck is going on. But, like, you know, maybe if you had just written exactly. the script better, you wouldn't have to do all these things. <laughs> you don't have to have all this trouble, right? You don't have to build in all these histrionics. Again, some of it, it feels like it's it's the school stuff it's the school angle like if you were going to try and spool this into a tv show she's your audience proxy yeah. she's your new character entered into this crazy world she's bella in twilight whatever but in this movie but there's like, just nothing she's no one she's not the main character no. right like your cypher character needs to be your main character because they become the way that all the information gets filtered but here, the Cypher character is literally a plank of wood that they stood next to Stephen Strait and said, look sad, look confused. Ask him a while question. While he explains everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Express confusion and ask a question about thing. And then he gets the chance to stand by his 2006 Mustang convertible and explain, and explain everything. everything. <laughs> and it's like, it's... It's it's redonkulous. Like it's redonkulous the way that this film relies upon those scenes to communicate its ideas. Like it is it's both screenwriting 101, but it's the part of screenwriting 101 where the teacher says don't yeah. do this. Like this is your last resort, guys. Like if you cannot figure out any other way to get information into the script, you could always do this. But don't. And yet, every time, yeah. that's what the script the does. Movie. Every time. And so that really just takes us to our final battle, which takes place at the barn that they drove by at the beginning. There's a dance for reasons. It's meaningless and purposeless. They're all supposed to go, but then they don't. I think it's just to have a plausible reason why the other characters don't come help, I guess. I it's because they're all at the dance. Like, don't isn't this it, more important than the dance? I yeah. don't know. I mean, the fish guy doesn't really seem to be super involved at this point. Machine Gun Kelly's 
just really focused on his fingerless gloves. His fingerless glove game is tight. Really cool. And he is gonna he's gonna make sure that it remains so. Uh, so this final battle is is dumb. It's inside of a barn so that they could shoot it on a sound stage and control and have all the wires and shit. Um, he kidnaps the girlfriend because, of course, he has unlimited power. <laughs> Emperor Palpatine style unlimited power. And so he kidnaps the girl and she's floating in the corner with candles or lanterns or something, something. for reasons. Looks dramatic. And, and he just he can disappear and reappear. He can fly. He can fling energy balls. Seems like he can do everything, anything, whatever you want. Anything and everything. And they're both, it's raining. So they're both wet. And so they're just constantly covered in moisture. And it sucks. But we, we get our, our two best lines in the film during the sequence though. And they both come from Sebastian Stan. And I'm going to go ahead and bet that these are part of his reel. When he's auditioning for parts, this is what he sends around. I'm going to go ahead and assume so. And the first line is, and forgive me because I'm quoting. Ooh, witchy. (laughs) Okay, so that's the first one. The good one. Iconic. It's a great line. I tried to keep the timing about right. It's, It's hard, you know. It's a performance that is unparalleled, but I just wanted to give you a taste. Uh, You can see that for yourself if you go watch this film. And the second line, and again, maybe I can make you my weach. I have never wanted to jump out of a window so badly before. Um, That was deeply upsetting. Even for 2006... A time in American history that will go down as as probably a hellscape. I could not have imagined that line with that line reading making it into a major Hollywood studio production. I would have thought that somewhere in the chain, anywhere in the chain, from the lowliest mailroom intern all the way to the CEOs of the various production companies that finance this turd. Someone would have said, I don't think that's a great line. Maybe you could replace it with something else. Anything else. Apparently no one did. Um, Uh, Because I remember a time when the literally funniest thing that Hollywood could conjure in a, in a film was for someone to be called a biatch. Uh, but this doesn't seem like a natural extension of that. It seems forced. Horrible. Yes. Yeah. I mean, the worst, terrible, awful. And so if, if Sebastian Stan is still auditioning for things, you know, at this point he may have enough cachet. He doesn't really have to, but if he is, I hope, and I pray that he's included both of those lines. And maybe this entire scene in there to be like, this is what you get when you hire Sebastian Stan. This is the quality of the work that I can provide to you, a filmmaker. You're hired. (laughs) And then they just go, the Russo brothers, when they were casting Winter Soldier, were like, there he is. is the guy. That's it. 
I mean, we're, do we even need to look at anyone else, guys? Look at the way that he just delivered the line, weach, to a very wet man in a suit. So uh, I'll reiterate my previous statement. Uh, I watched this and said, what in the fucking Dragon Ball Z is this? And I stand by that. Yeah. I believe it's it. It's fair. I mean, I believe it's accurate. It is, it is Dragon Ball Z with the shittiest like butt rock slash orchestral soundtrack that you've ever heard. Um, it's just so hard rocking as these men are being just, just seemingly flung around on wires at random. Like this, this is one of those things. So the matrix had a lot of really positive effects, but a lot of negative ones, but it also, it had a lot of negative ones too. And this is an example of the negative because a lot of people thought that with just a bit of wire work, some mm-hmm. wire foo and some good camera trickery, you could just make a great compelling action sequence. And that's wrong. And what, what we've discovered is that that is incorrect. <laughs> Horrifically incorrect. Yeah. Uh, sorry. What were you, what were well, you? No, say? That, it was more of that. Honestly, like this, just this, the entire end is like watching the worst music video of 2005. Absolutely. Yes. This feels like a 2005 era music video for sure. Um, just bad lighting, really, really low rent special effects. And then Steven straight ascends. We we fight up until the point that he actually turns 18 to the second. And then he gets his full witchy powers, right? Which supposedly has been the reason, you know, why he was going to lose to this guy in the first place is that he's already ascended. He's at his full witching best, whereas Stephen Strait, he's he's still struggling. But here but now he is. But remember, Chase's goal here is to somehow have Steven Strait just give him his power, just like say you can have it now. And that is all you like have you, to do. You, you just it. say so. You just say like, hey, you can you, have it. And then you're not a witch anymore. Yep. And then you're not a witch anymore. And the other person has all of your power, even though they all seem basically, <laughs> they all seem basically super powerful as it is. Yeah. So what would more power get you exactly? I don't know. And again, I don't unclear. understand witches. <laughs> I don't think I know or anything warlocks. about witches. Warlocks. Oh yeah. They're boy witches. Boy. Yes. Sorry. Boy. I know we keep using, we can't have anybody Different. getting confused that these are the girl witches, which was probably what was going to be the sequel was all the girl witches. Oh yeah. Uh definitely. Definitely a film that was just waiting to have, but it would you know, really be about these and guys. impressive representation. It would be all these women. Yeah, no, it, would it would still be, be about these guys. It would be about all of the all of the witches that had shown up in town to be like, "Oh, who are these boys?" Yeah. And then they'd be like, "Oh, I want to get my witching on with his witching," and then have little witches just running around. But apparently, only one, because only the firstborn son gets the witch stuff. The ladies. It's not a luck, man. They can just they do, all got burned. They can just do I guess, stuff. yeah. Real witch power, right? Like, like use it to make soup 
or something, yeah. right? Or like write a broom. Help them, help them, help them, help them, you know, get a little bit more rise out of that bread. Or destroy some you know, crops. That's, that's what lady that's right. witches do. Man witches. Yep. <laughs> man witches have fights in barns. My man witch. <laughs> No, my man wish. Uh, yeah, men men wishes fight in barns. Lady wishes, you know, patrol the night yeah. and ruin crops, yeah. kill kill livestock. I think I'm finally they starting do. to understand witches. Me too. I think this movie's finally helped me have Thank you, Renny Harlan. To understand why all of those innocent women were burned alive in the 1600s. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for this context. Um. I did appreciate that a lantern got knocked over and started a flame and it didn't immediately set the entire building on fire. I did appreciate that. You know, it, it, it wasn't like an immediate unstoppable blaze yeah. in the middle of the rainstorm. So I did appreciate that. Um, again, it's meaningless, but I, I, I kept expecting like the background to just like immediately everything would be on fire and he didn't go there. And I liked no, it. I took a couple minutes. Um, so how does this turd come to a close? Uh, the mom shows up at, at, uh, haunted mansion. Yeah. Um, the hat box ghost is there and she's like, hello. And he's like, ah, welcome <laughs> to the haunted man. Um, but she goes inside and she sees her husband, which again brought up an interesting question, right? So I know this must be like the, the ancestral familial home. So maybe he's there to draw upon power something i don't know mostly he just sits by the fireplace so like why can't he be in their house because she can't stand looking at him because he's not hot anymore (laughs) the house is very big he could just be in a different part of it i don't want that disgusting old man (laughs) anywhere near me and my hot, I guess sexy not. son. My hot, sexy former model son. And and so like she's there to convince him that he should give their son his power. Just give up the ghost. He's a, he's aged out anyway, right? His body's destroyed. You're Forty-four. Uh, destroyed. You're not a You're model. Forty-four years old. You're done. You're done. You'll on never this be earth. on the runway again. Give it up. Yeah. He. Your addiction to magic has ruined you, and now it's time to give it up, right? Just let the ghost pass to the boy, and the moment that he does, the sky calls down lightning, and Stephen Stray starts shadow boxing no one yeah. and flinging powerful blasts of energy. Like sonic booms a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I had a real, like, guile from Street Fighter 2 kind of thing going on. And I was like, why can't they just be close to each other and punching? Like, what? Why do they have to be separated by all this distance? Because they've I don't got understand. to use their magic. This may be their only chance to use it, even though they've been using it the whole time. Yes. It's a magic and fight. It's a magic fight. It's, again, it's Dragon Ball Z, bitch. Like, that's what they're doing. And so the dad gives up the magic. It powers up the sun. Lightning hits his ball of energy. And, and I, it makes it I, slightly I, okay. larger. Okay, and listener, I, I, sh- I, I, I shit you not. Lightning struck the ball of energy and the soundtrack went... 
like a like a like a whammy bar electric guitar note and i was like what is this sound of power that's what they do as a joke on the venture brothers when something stupid happens (laughs) (laughs) like what is this and so the lightning comes down he holds it in his ball (laughs) and then he and then he flings it at sebastian stan who flies backwards into a wooden barn that has been both on fire and not on fire at the same time. And then he just explodes. Yeah. Or, I mean, he explodes, he disappears. He's absorbed into the bar, into the ball. He's not going to be a problem anymore is what it is. I'm guessing not. I'm guessing that his time as a proto son of Ipswich is over. And now Stephen Strait has ascended and absorbed the power of his elder father. Which he must never, and, ever use. And he can never, ever use those powers again, or he will age into a horrible monster and leave his... I presume these two are getting married. I mean, if I know anything about witches, it's their tendency toward monogamy. Yeah. So, I mean, they're just going to be together now. He lays her down in a disgusting trailer full of wet hay. <laughs> <laughs> In her prom dress. In her beautiful prom dress. And then rouses her from her, you know, I presume spider-induced slumber. I mean, like, what? It was really his only move was to to put ladies to sleep with spider juice. And we never find out what the spiders were all about. There's like a... Nope, nothing. There's just something in the book that she's reading in the library that's just like, and this family had spiders. (laughs) Also spiders. That's it. Why? And then and then everybody wakes up and and the world is as it was, right? These perfectly normal young men that no one recognizes as being magical in any way. They just go back to they're going to finish school, I presume, they're going to maybe go to college. Maybe maybe that was the sequel. Like, you know, what happens when the sons of Ipswich go to, you know, Dartmouth? You know, what what's going to go down? I mean, is he is which stuff is Machine Gun Kelly going to be pre-law? Like, I mean, like, what are we talking about here? It's it's moronic. Like the ending of this film is moronic. And then uh, everything is fine, and they mm-hmm. get in. They get in the Mustang in the 2006 convertible Mustang GT in the glorious champagne color with the black vinyl top and the only thing despite like all of the destruction like a barn has been destroyed a, a historical landmark yeah i mean it was in the book that she read I like that barn I, you know we won't talk about who has to answer for that um but the only thing that happened to the mustang was the windshield got smashed <laughs> but that's okay because he's that's a fun. winch and he can just fix it and he does and and none of the dozens of firefighters literally crowded around his they car. They don't even notice. Notice that he just reassembled and the windshield. It completely goes against the whole don't use your power for stupid things. You know, you could just mm. call AAA. Yeah, and they I could, mean, like, Safe Light, Auto, and Glass, they'll be there in two hours or less. You know, but like, no, you, you used your witch power, which slowly kills you every time you use it. Mm-hmm. 
but this is a good time to use it. And is and is an and is an addictive drug. Yeah, a drug that the more you use it, the more you want to use it, and it's like it's a, smoking a cycle crack of use. every time you it's, use your witch power, and you're just like ah. M- magic is crack. Like that's the lesson of this movie. It's crack magic, and yet he's just gonna reassemble the windshield on his beautiful no big deal. Mustang. I use magic. NBD. NBD, right? No biggie. And then the film has the audacity to go sepia tone and pull out and make it seem like this is just the latest chapter in the entry. book of damnation. Chapter 17. The boys. You know, the <laughs> the boys kill another one of the boys that they didn't know was a boy, right? Chapter 17. Magic boy. It's the book. Oh, man. Uh, and that's it. Roll credits. Thank, Thank God. God. Uh, Mark Silvestri was an associate producer. Um, which is a low-level producer. That's the same. That's the the same credit that somebody who fetched coffee might get. So, um, you know, not a great credit, but still feels like somebody was trying to do something. Feels like somebody was like, "Hey, maybe this will become a thing, and we could have a a cross media franchise on our hands." Uh, nope, didn't work. No, sir, didn't happen. But uh, another moment. In, in the career of Rennie Harlan and his just incredible inability to, to make a winner. <laughs> like, just, man, just, to the point where I, I feel bad. I'm like, dude. I am, I'm continually uh, confused by him and all the movies that he makes. Because he's done some really good stuff, right? Like, we've talked about that before. I mean, there. I've seen a, a surprising round of of Die Hard two apologism in in the last few years. Uh, I've I've seen a, even more for Die Hard three, which I think is fine. It's it is a good sequel. I think three would work better as a sequel if two had not been the first sequel. But you know, but a lot of people are like Die Hard two is not so bad. Yeah, it's Die Hard on a plane, but whatever. Um. You know, we've talked about Long Kiss Goodnight on the show. He did Deep Blue Sea, which a lot of people love. Uh, I'm not a huge fan. But, you know, as far as big shark-eating people movies, it's pretty good. One of those. Cliffhanger. You know, it's not bad. I mean, he made Cliffhanger. He made Cliffhanger, which I'm going to be honest, man. If we're talking about that sort of dark period of early 90s Stallone, even into mid to late 90s Stallone... not counting Demolition Man. Demolition Man is an, is an outlier movie. because Demolition Man is perfect, <laughs> as we've discussed. But Cliffhanger is like one of the better things that Stallone has kind of ever done. Yeah. Right? It, it's like right in his wheelhouse because Stallone is always, Schwarzenegger always excelled at the sort of like crossroads of action and science fiction. That's where Schwarzenegger found his sweet spot. Stallone has always excelled where action meets somewhat more realistic happenings, right? Rambo before it went nuts, you know, like the original Rambo and maybe even bits of Rambo too. You know, it's, it's, it's realistic action. It's things that are plausible. And Stallone has always been better in that wheelhouse when it gets too big, too bombastic, too sci-fi. He just, he just flails. Like it doesn't work. Demolition man was like the only time that that worked. And it was because it didn't take itself seriously. And because it, it was absolutely not taking itself seriously, right? If if and part of the reason why it works is because Stallone 
is the only one who is kind of sort of taking it seriously, but everyone around him is a cartoon character, right? Like that's, and that's the joke of the film. That's why it works is like, he's a serious, real, like go kick ass cop. And everybody around him is like, you know, singing jingles. Like it's, it's, it works. But anyway, so yes, cliffhanger is great. Uh, it's a solid film. Uh, like I said, he made exorcist the beginning, which is not a good movie. The only other one that I'll throw out here that I was surprised by is a small film, very small, from 2013, I think. It's like 2013, yep. 14. Directed by Harlan called Devil's, Devil's Pass. Pass. That is the last time that Rennie Harlan made a movie that I watched. And it's and I said, it was pretty good. Like, it wasn't great, but it was pretty good. But it was Rennie Harlan trying to do found footage. And a lot of it's pretty good. It works. And it tells a weird story about this weird place in Russia where crazy shit has happened. And it's it's not bad. Um, but that's really the last time looking at his 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 filmography that he's done anything that I looked at and said, like, that was all right. That Hercules movie he made with the Twilight guy was. Ugh. Um, it's it's it's. Again, it makes me sad. It, uh, I don't know. You, you think he has potential, but I wonder. I wonder if it's just like maybe he really has bad personal taste. <laughs> so, like when he's offered projects, he like picks the absolute worst, <laughs> thinking this is cool. Yeah, I mean, it really almost feels like it's a failure to recognize a stinker of a project at the start. Or like, but I think maybe a lot he's of, the kind of person who doesn't care, where he's like, ah, you know, sure, I'm getting paid yeah. either way. I mean, I mean, again, a lot. I mean, most of the directors that work in film are are workman directors. They're they're they go to job and they do the job as it's given to them to the best of their ability, and and that's fine. You know, I mean, you need people doing that, too. And Harlan, again, is one of those characters. He's one of those directors that has been called in often, numerous times to just sort of rescue a project that was flailing and try to assemble something salvageable out of the mix. Right. Where I'm assuming that the expectations were so low that, frankly, he could pull off anything that was better than what they had before. And they, they were fine, you know, and, and that's OK. If you can make a living doing that and you can do all right whatever man more power to you but harlan is one of those ones it's like man it just feels like he should have had a winner in here somewhere and it just hasn't really happened not for a long time dude i don't give a shit about the razzies i think they're terrible but dude has been nominated for six of them that's i mean you know if you look at it from purely like a at least people are talking about me kind of perspective. <laughs> yeah. No, no press is bad press. You know, <clears throat> I, I don't know. That's the it's only weird. thing that's uh, under his awards and nominations are the Razzies. That's sad. <laughs> this, that makes me it. sad. That hurts my feelings. That's sad. That's really like, sad. You made like, cliffhanger. Not a, you should get something. Not even a Saturn award oh. or something. Like, come on, dude. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. It, this is certainly not going to rescue his his filmography. This this is just a, a turd sandwich of a film, all the way down, it, almost to the point. I would say it's it's close. If it was more ridiculous for the first hour, I think it would almost be as so bad. It's kind of fun to watch movie, 
but like the first hour is so slow. I, I, I kid you not. I fell asleep watching this movie four times. Hulu must think I love this film <laughs> because I have restarted it and advanced to the last part. I remember no less than four times. <clears throat> like I am going to be recommended nothing but mid two thousands, which movies forever on Hulu. Like that is my lot he in really life. Likes now. It. He just really, really likes it. He just really loves the covenant. I don't know what it is. Keep feeding him more of that. Uh, it's, 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 it's bad. It's real bad. Uh, like I said, when you get to the end and just things pop off and it goes completely sideways, like I said, it's, it's, it's all right. Like it's, it's interesting enough uh, in its ridiculousness, but man, even for a movie that is 97 minutes long, this movie feels like it's four hours long. Like it is so interminable. It's just a lot of scenes of people in Mustangs. Just over and over that, and the, over I'm again. telling you, the Mustang Mustangs, was the Mustangs, most important Mustangs. thing about the movie. But you'll never Which forget. I'm, I'm, the other part, and I'm being super honest here, if he's that rich and all-powerful, dude ain't buying a Mustang. Mm. It ain't happening. No. Nobody's bought, no, That's nobody's first choice in a sports car. I'm sorry. Like, nobody. And I'm not dissing, dissing Mustangs. They're fine. They're very affordable, very But like if you're cars. rich, if you're like rich. Yeah. Rich. I mean, dude lives in a mansion by a lake and ha- and again, has unlimited power, right? Like seemingly unlimited power. Is he going to buy that or is he going to go out and get a, a Lamborghini, a Ferrari, you know, something? But no, Ford Motor that. Company showed up. They paid the fees. They got the car in. You know, <laughs> wipe the hands. We're done here. You know, uh, it's 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 crazy. I think it's worth noting. I did want to point out just sort of wrapping up. So J.S. Cardone, the the writer of this, um, was born in 1946. When this movie came out, he was 60 years old. I'm just gonna let that sink in. Okay. This movie doesn't feel like it was written by a 60-year-old. It doesn't feel like it was written much at all, if I'm being honest. <laughs> but this movie but was definitely could have been written by Chat GPT if we didn't I, know better. Like, like if 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 I was if I was a teacher who was teaching movies and this got turned in by one of those movies as the as its script, I would be like, oh, this was generated by AI. Like, no way. I, I would be testing. I would be running it through every detector on the planet to get some inkling. But I, I wanted to point out some of the other films that he's written because I think that it's telling. So the first credited written film is called The Slayer. And it's an, a supernatural horror film that he also directed. Super low budget. Cashing in on, on Jason and Freddy. And Michael Myers, right? Terrible. It's just terrible. He wrote Shadow Zone, which I remember renting from our our local store, and it's like a weird. Well, these are these are full moon movies. It's a full moon. It's a full moon movie. He's a full moon guy. Like that's what he became. Was like the full moon guy. He wrote Alien Hunter, the one with James Spader. 
yeah, like, okay, so I'm like, this ain't the guy that you go to to launch like your big old franchise. I think the biggest thing that he wrote that was success was marginally successful was the prom night remake. That's it. So like, I, I don't know, man, this is a real, what is, it's a real weird career. I, I guess I shouldn't be surprised, you know? <laughs> but yet I don't know. I, I am intrigued for whatever reason by the intersection of these weird people and their weird catalogs mm -hmm. and their weird choices. Like I keep watching yeah, Lenny I mean, Harlan movies. I obviously haven't learned my lesson. No, we'll never learn our lesson. I didn't see no. that that other movie, uh, The Misfits, one with Pierce Brosnan. That was like awful. That was considered yeah, a disaster. That, that, that was a disaster level. Film. I want to see yeah. it. I need to see it. I I don't even think I've ever seen that one. I saw I one I saw trailer on the, for that, and then I never. Yeah, I think I saw it in a red box. I think I saw it in the red box, which I don't really get stuff from the red box anymore, but I, I think it was featured there. And I was like, oh dear. Oh no. Like I'm just, um, I just that's a really big know. picture of Pierce Brosnan. That's, that's, that can't be good. I, I need, I need to see how bad it is. Maybe I need to find yeah, it. Yeah. I, I can't imagine. I mean, again, nominated for a Razzie. I, how, <laughs> how does he keep doing it? How do you continually it's, make this choice? I mean, at this point, it almost feels like it's intentional. Like, well, I love let's put another one on the list. Uh, yeah, we're going to have to, maybe we'll watch the misfits and see if it, this man's career is going to haunt this. me until I just, Tim Roth is in it. Like, I mean, come on. How do you, I mean, again, this is kind of like some of these things that he does, they feel like slam dunks like this. In a lot of in 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 two thousand and six, this movie probably should have worked. Yeah, because it's it's hitting like all of the beats, like almost as if J. S. Cardone was like watching Simple Life and like looking at Kira Knightley and all of her press photos and low rise jeans and was like, "This is the formula." Like, well, he's like on, he's got that, a chalkboard. Doesn't and, that feel like know. what a full moon type of of collaborator would do? Like they would just totally. sit and, yeah. and look at all the new trends and be like, I bet I could write, write some them. shitty knockoff about this. Absolutely. You read the market and you make what you think the market wants. That is how full moon has operated since the eighties, right? Like you try and you don't try and get in front of the market and create something new. You do what the market wants again, right? Slightly different. You know, it's, it's what the asylum people turned into a pretty decent enterprise yeah. for about a decade. You know, or oh, Pacific Rim. We what about Atlantic Rim? Huh? Huh? You know, like that's that's what you get. That's how it happens. So it, it should have worked. Like this should have hit, um, but it didn't because it's inept and broken and boring. Yeah. <laughs> and and you know maybe in in different hands. I don't know. But all right. So let's let's wrap it up. We've we've given more time than I ever thought we were going to give to the Covenant, but it's been. Fun. <laughs> this is a fun movie to talk about with its spider diseases and its and its V belts and its very low swim shorts. I mean, because I'm, you know, okay. So the, on the swim short thing, the other thing I, I showed it to my wife and I was like, uh, "Tell me your thoughts on this." Right? And her first thought, and it was it was mine too, was like, "Those would not stay on. No, like they would immediately ride right off your butt the moment that you dove into the water. There is no way." 
And so, and so in the back of my head, I was like, oh, is that a deleted scene <laughs> where Taylor Kitsch like dives in and then like, oops, you know, <laughs> oops my, my swim trunks then, came off. Wow. <laughs> and then like all the girls are like, oh my God, the Ipswich boys are so hot. Like, you know, was that a deleted scene that was going to be in there? But who knows? We'll never know. Lost to time. It's, it's all footage in Rennie Harlan's <laughs> basement closet. <laughs> That's for all of oh, it is. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Ah, uh, friends, let me show you this uh, deleted scene of Taylor Kitsch losing his pants in the in the <laughs> pool. Let, let me let me regale you with the tales of my career. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Well, I mean, uh, he so, does kind uh, of fit like like the male model thing. You remember what he used to look like in the nineties? Oh, Rennie Harlan was, and in many ways still is, a gorgeous human being. He had the like, long blonde hair, attractive. and it's like, oh, I see mm-hmm. why Gina Davis went after that. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, that, no, he he was in in his time a a stone cold stunner of the traditional model. So this is yeah. like this is a movie about about male models, and he knows about that because he was one. He was one. <laughs> Hands on experience. Rennie Harlan thirst traps. Um, you hear it here first. <laughs> that's right. That's that's <laughs> maybe that accounts for a lot. <laughs> maybe it does. Maybe that accounts for a lot. Um. All right. You gotta stop insulting Ray Harley. He's gonna find us. Throw one of his throw one of his mini Razzie awards at us. Um well of course I think he I don't know if he's ever won. I think he was just nominated. No, not even good enough to win Razzie. <laughs> oh jeez. Oh, I'm uh, sorry. I do it out oh, of love. Sorry, Ray I really Harlan. do. Yeah, totally. Like I I am all for people utilizing the film industry to find personal financial security and success live your truth and Annie harlan to live to live your effing truth like use that system use that money to find your to find and fund your dreams god damn it it's all fine like no one cares um anyway so all right so final thoughts on the covenant starring oh so many male models don't see this movie or yeah. see this movie because it's or see it, you know. Like don't, don't see know. it. I can't recommend it, but you should see it because it's funny. Now that we're kind of now they're kind of done talking about it, I'm like oh, it wasn't that bad. Okay, <laughs> uh, no, it's not. It's really bad. It's very bad, and it's it's main crime is that it does have a premise that in different circumstances could have been maybe interesting. Again, I once I seized upon the idea of like the witch hunter trying to find them. I was like, oh, that would be so much more interesting, right? That would be so much cooler for them to actually have like a credible threat that isn't just trying to steal their power, but it's trying to eliminate them, right? Like yeah. it's trying to, to like, you know, ruin them. And then it becomes this story about how, hey, man, like witches were always misunderstood and we're not trying to make the world worse. Like you get to, you get to do a lot more with it. But I have a feeling that if they'd taken that approach, it just would have gotten Dracula 2000 did. And so that's not good for anybody either, unfortunately. Although that's another one that uh, probably bears some discussion at some point. It's on the list anyway. Uh, what with young, sexy Gerard de Butler. <laughs> Just hamming it up as Dracula. <laughs> that famous Romanian slash Transylvanian man. Yes, just give it to the, the Scottish the Irish, dude. To the Scottish dude. Uh, perfect. Uh, anyway, so uh, final thoughts. Final thoughts. What do you think? Um, don't see, but don't see any redeeming qualities. But 
I love that this movie is like the most early 2000s thing. You know, yes. in the in the, the height artifact of the time. Yeah, in the height mm-hmm. of how much people are enjoying that era again, like, you know, fashion and music and and now movies. True. Yeah. Is circled back around. This yeah. this would be really interesting for somebody who maybe didn't grow up then or was was very, very young, if you could go back and watch movies like this and feel great that you don't you don't live back then. You didn't have to see this movie new in the theater right. when there was nothing else to watch. Yes, remember this is a cautionary tale. Yeah. Right. You may think the early two thousands were awesome. You don't want to go not. back. You don't want to go back. Take what you've learned and move forward, but don't go back. Never look back. Uh, I'm in the same boat. This is this is a weird one for me. I kind of love it because it is this weird little time capsule of a moment when all of these things were just like normal in film and no one was really thinking about it or questioning it. And if they were, it wasn't rising to the surface, right? We didn't have the internet for people to be like, hey, this is kind of messed up. Like, why aren't these, why aren't these women characters why aren't they doing things why don't they have agency and thoughts and desires for things to happen instead of just being these these like real dolls that we can position and then you know bump into occasionally like what's happening back in the day women didn't Um, have feelings they didn't have feelings man it was all about them them witch boys (laughs) they're being witches (laughs) totally male witches that's what it was it was all about that uh, so again, not necessarily a recommend for me either. I do think it's an interesting artifact. There is some merit and you do get to see these sort of like oddly younger versions, very young versions of, um, you know, these, these, you know, actors in most cases who went on to find some success in, in other realms. Um, you know, which is kind of interesting just in terms of watching the, the careers of, of people as they move through Hollywood, but. Uh, in any case, I think we've said all we need to say about this adorable little 2006 failure of a film. Uh, so I guess if somebody wants to find you on the internet and, and ask you about all of your Taylor Kitsch short shorts related thoughts and feelings, where could they do that? I'm not into any male models except for Rennie Harlan, and I'm <laughs> staging uh, a watch through of all of his movies ever. And if you want to talk to me about them, I post about Rennie Harlan only on my Twitter, which, and it's still Twitter in my heart, uh, at Baskinator. Yes, it will always be Twitter. And I'm also on the Blue Sky website, and I'm Baskinator on that mm. as well. So nice. Reach out. Um, I, I did recently get a Blue Sky invite uh, as well. So if you, if you do want to find me and uh, address my particular uh, thoughts about the career and and future works of Rennie Harlan and how they'll be perceived. Um, you can find me. I am also on Blue Sky at T Baskin as well. So you should find me there. Um, and then I am still on Twitter slash X slash platform doomed to fail at this point um, for a, a short time, but I'm really not checking it very much anymore. So you can get me there at T Baskin as well. And you can get us together on the Twitters at F peace theater uh and you can always email us at failurepeace at gmail.com which i did have a helpful one a few uh weeks ago um somebody uh, there was a audio glitch in one of our episodes i'd 
used some AI processing tools to clean up some audio, and it had uh, resulted in a weird little uh, glitch in the background that I'd missed. I hadn't edited that one, so that was very nice. I appreciated that. Thanks, man. Um, but you can always get a hold of us there, and uh, obviously we will see you next time for another discussion of a movie that maybe missed the mark but might still be worth your time. Bye-bye.